This is the Self-Development Podcast, episode 37. Can you imagine that? 37 episodes? Hey there, and welcome to the weekly podcast all about personal growth, pursuing goals, and becoming a better version of yourself. I'm your host, Leonos Kakidando, and the title of this episode is A Conversation with Listeners, Part 2. Alrighty, how's it going? It's been a minute. Things have been hella busy. Just one of those moments that I had to just stop what I was doing and put out a fire. But this was a good fire. Is there such a... Yeah, it was a good fire. <laughs> so usually I'm very comfortable working on multiple things at the same time. But when there is something in my business that needs my attention, I tend to make sure that I concentrate all energy over there. Will this be like this always? No. I mean, I didn't do all that life restructuring for nothing. You know, uh, when I went on the first hiatus and thought about how exactly I want to, you know, plan out my life. So, now. Nah. <laughs> we're good <laughs> it's just that when you're presented with an opportunity or situation you could never in a million years have anticipated well wisdom suggests that you act on it all right so progress on the platform is steady i fixed a couple of bugs on the self-development section of the website there are features that are not yet working as expected but that's the nature of systems i guess you improve them over time there are some quality of life enhancements I've been doing, which I will talk about once they are done. But a majority of the development is going into launching the game development section of the site or the platform. I need that fast. And this is probably a good time to encourage you to have your own platform or website if you don't have one already. It can be a simple blog, but a place to host all of your digital content. You know, sure, you can have a Facebook page or write long-form articles on, on Medium or LinkedIn or post to Instagram or these other social media sites, but those platforms are controlled by the people that own them. The content you publish there kind of becomes theirs. And in some cases, the terms and conditions are worded in such a way that actually suggest that you're allowing them to do whatever they see fit to do with it. Plus, there's a ton of other, you know, like competing voices on those platforms. Today, the algorithm boosts you up and the next day it brings you back down. You know, it's something that's out of your control. And I know that we probably think it's about going to where the listeners, readers or viewers are. But if you have great content or worthwhile content, they will come to you no matter where you are in cyberspace. You just have to make sure you are just as consistent and as, you know, lively as you are on these other platforms. Um, and what's great about your own platform is that you can start simple as I did and over time make improvements as you see fit. You know, kind of get used to the, the, the idea of owning your own, <laughs> your own platform, I guess. Now, I may have taken a really long time to get to where I am today, but that's because the atmosphere back then wasn't what it is today. You know, at the time, the internet wasn't as ingrained in our very lives as it is today. 
you know, so you won't need to take as much time as I did. I will probably make a podcast about this, I guess, because I'm more than 100% sure that there are people that are thinking about doing this, but they don't really know where to start or they're hesitating about pulling the trigger, you know. So yeah, I'll think about how to approach that. All right, so today's uh, podcast episode is a continuation of the previous one, episode 36. And if you haven't already checked it out, I highly encourage you to do so. Link will be in the show notes. I want to thank all the guys that submitted their contributions to this topic. I am super, super grateful that they took the time to do so. It really means a lot. Okay, just to quickly bring you up to speed on what exactly is happening in this conversation of listeners episode, you're going to hear from people pursuing goals and or projects who talk about the challenges they face. Uh, This was left open-ended. You know, you could talk about what it's like going through the challenges, how you overcame the challenges, or if, you know, the things you, questions you have that you want answered about the types of challenges uh, you faced. So, all right, uh, without further ado, let's go. So first up is Frank. So for me, um, on goal setting, I think one of the biggest things that, you know, uh, we as a society and even people in general struggle with is identifying what exactly you want and dealing with uncertainty of that. Uh, I think you'll find that a lot of people are going through, you know, their day-to-day lives really wanting some different things you know it could be one thing this year it could be another thing next year but really when it comes down to identifying what you want there's a lot of chaos that goes on in you know even in people's minds and and in society as a a whole so for me i think the first challenge that i had to overcome uh when i look at goals is what exactly do i want yeah so what is that goal in fact and you'd hear a lot of podcasts, you'd hear a lot of, um, you know, motivational speakers uh, referring to follow your passion, follow your passion. But even how do you even identify that passion for you to be able to set that goal? So uh, what I what it all came down to for me uh, um, to overcome that first challenge of even identifying what it is I want was um, changing the way I looked at goals. I took on a different terminology that really, really opened up uh, things for me in a different way. It's just so actually one word, it's intent. So as soon as I replaced the word goal with intention, that changed it again for me completely. Uh, because what that made me do, what, what, what that put me in a position to do was, um, you know, like wake up in the morning and as opposed to writing my goal for today or my goal for this week is you know, close 16 clients through cold calling or uh, even write code for these three websites. Uh, as opposed to that being a goal, um, I I basically decided to look at them as intentions. So wake up in the morning and just go like, what do I intend to have achieved by the end of the day? Or what do I intend to do today? I hear you, Frank. Um, I understand exactly what you're saying. This is similar to a challenge that uh, Mark had mentioned in the previous episode about how to go after or pursue goals. How do you even begin effectively and where do you start? And this got me thinking about something that we often don't think about, probably at all, which is 
thinking about the pursuing of goals as being a skill. I mean, we tend to have a general idea of what we want, but we have no idea how to take that feeling in our hearts or the dream in our minds and turn it into a workable plan that we can execute on, at least not initially. So why is that? Well, because the majority of us aren't taught this as a skill. We aren't taught how to pursue goals. It's not part of the primary school curriculum or secondary school or even college. If you're lucky, over time as you experience life and get more exposed to different people and situations, you might begin to take that course, right? <laughs> kind of like how you and I did. And when we are first starting off, we are often clueless really about how best to go about it. If you had 10 beginners thinking about pursuing goals um, and you asked each one of them, what is the best way to approach this topic? I wouldn't be surprised if you got 10 different answers. However, many seasoned achievers tend to all have similar answers. That should make you wonder if the very process of pursuing goals is a skill in and of itself that is worth mastering. Take serial entrepreneurs, for example. Um, people that invest or run multiple businesses at the same time. Conventional wisdom says a jack of all trades is a master of none, right? then why doesn't that apply to serial entrepreneurs like the Azam guy, for example? Different businesses with different goals, serving different markets using different approaches, but still being coordinated by one or a handful of people. Well, what if it is because they know the general gist of pursuing goals properly, that they know the framework, if you will, so no matter where they apply their efforts, they almost instinctively know how to go about it. This is why they can start another business and another one. It's like learning how to survive in the wild. Once you've managed to survive in one or two forests like Bear Grylls, a new forest that you've never been in will present new challenges, right? But you won't be completely clueless of how to go about things. So why am I saying all this? Well, I'm just putting emphasis that as much as we have our individual goals to accomplish, we should consider learning about getting better at the process of pursuing goals as in, in and of itself, I guess, you know? So making effort to make learning about pursuing goals a goal. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. I mean, opening the floor to your feedback, also for you who is listening. Honestly, I could do an entire podcast on just that. But, uh, you know, this is something to think about as well. All right. So Frank had another challenge he shared. The other hurdle that I had to overcome, you know, in just crafting this, this, this goal-oriented uh, lifestyle was um, taking the action. <laughs> and, and yeah, I know that sounds so cliche, but taking action to literally pick an intention and do one, two, three things about it. So I happen to be a very uh, loyal member of the Overthinkers Anonymous Club, <laughs> if it even exists. But basically overthinking a lot of things, you know, you always aim, 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 but not fire. Um, and every day you're coming up with different aims. You're like, yeah, yeah today we are aiming at that particular um, 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 target. And you just aim at it and you just really want to get it, you know, spot on or the bullseye. And you aim for like six hours 
and then you know you either you don't end up firing or you end up firing only two shots which of course you miss so i think changing again the the narrative to a more action oriented uh, approach that was a really really hard thing to do because first of all an overthinker and then couple that with the fact that i tend to procrastinate a lot um, when it comes to things that you know even things that i know will be beneficial to me somehow i end up you know doing completely different things but yeah so and i'm sure it's a lot a lot of people probably go through that sometimes i also struggle with it. i won't say that i have gotten it 100% correctly but you know um being okay with accomplishing even half of the intention instead of punishing yourself at the end of the day for not having accomplished intention 2 3 4 uh i think looking at it like wow i was actually at least i got something done today i did something yeah i mean a lot of people suffer from indecision priority management procrastination and overwhelm which is caused by so many options or opportunities and in the end many find themselves not fully accomplishing anything at all there is always something new to look at something new to distract you or just you know procrastination saying that you will just work on it tomorrow i think how you go about tackling that issue certainly makes sense to me and it's a way of making sure you gain momentum because the only way to defeat procrastination is to at least do something you may not end up completing what you plan to accomplish but at least you covered some ground and usually that is what i would consider to be real motivation uh when it is self induced but i want to add something to uh, your contribution which will require taking just a bit of a step back you know so before we even begin to tackle the day i think we need to have at least have at least established a constitution something that governs the way we live as people intentional about accomplishing our goals this constitution will have a couple of things the first being a well defined goal or set of goals that we must and i mean must get accomplished goals we truly believe we cannot compromise on next we must have a detailed plan on how we'll arrive at each goal like if you set your goal properly then you know what you'll accomplish and roughly by when then that plan will be broken down into milestones right that that goal should be broken down into milestones and if you were to accomplish these milestones essentially you've accomplished the goal so for example if you intend to have like a retail store that sells stationery by say the end of the year your milestones will be like probably to secure capital of a specific amount to acquire an ideal supplier to acquire a spot where your storefront will be and etc right and then still in that plan each milestone will have to have a set of tasks that will evolve by the way uh, uh, you know the more you pursue something the more you get exposed to the truth whether it's about the field industry or goal but these tasks represent what you will be doing on a daily basis So if your milestone is looking for capital your tasks would be for example to identify multiple ways of getting money which the output for that task would be a list of places or ways you could get financing you know something like that 
then after identifying, uh, you would probably need to go apply for a loan if that's one of the sources of financing you listed. When you get to the bank or the, the financial institutions, right, um, you'll be told to do A, B, C, D, and E to qualify to get that loan, to which you will update your plan with new tasks, but your milestones and goals remain the same. Lastly, this constitution will require you to have an activity planner. This is a weekly calendar showing you what you'll be working on on every day and at what time. There are seven days in a week and you must determine the days and hour blocks you intend to do all this work. There are some activities you'll be working on Monday but won't touch on Tuesday. And you need to stick to this religiously. You cannot compromise. Don't work outside the framework of the activity planner. And I talked about it in a previous episode, episode 35, you can check it out. One thing we need to develop is strict discipline. Treat the pursuit of your personal goal as though you were working for Google or Deloitte at a senior management level, you know? It's like do or die. Make your goals more important than procrastination. Man, I could speak at length on this, uh, but this is just scratching the surface. So. Okay, up next is Steve. Take it away, Steve. I once heard Steve Harvey say, don't share your dreams, don't share your goals sometimes with people who don't have the same vision. I took that with a big hug, that sometimes we struggle too much with people who, have, who do not share in our dreams. And particularly, I'm talking about your parents, I'm talking about guardians who promise to help you, but sometimes they don't because whatever you are doing, it's not what they want you to do. They will prefer you to keep poetry. They will prefer you to go to a farm, like, to farm land, uh, cultivate potatoes, cultivate tomatoes, cultivate the onions and everything, but not what you want to do. So the broken promises sometimes, it was and it has always been the toughest part. I've decided to go mute on this. I mean, like, as long as we're we not on the same hustle, as long as I find you that we're not in the same table of hustling, of, of being hustlers, you know, like, if you, if you meet somebody who's employed, fully employed, and somebody who's working towards his goal, like self-employed, uh, has has their own timetable time and works through their own timetable and operates through that, you'll find that those those two people cannot really blend in. The employed already knows everything is settled. At the end of the month, there's, there's a reward. For the hustlers like us now, <laughs> it, it, may go, it may pass two weeks or three, or three months without getting that check. And you have to keep on grinding and you have to keep on working hard and look, working towards your goal. So with, with these two people, you have to be very careful. If you share your dreams with people like people who, are, who believe in employment, for sure they will discourage you. For sure they will put you down. For sure they will not, they will not see your vision. They will, not, they will not see you succeeding. And if you hear, if you, if you, if you hear and take into heart the the words that they'll be saying, it could really 
damage your dreams it could really hurt your dreams so i think whoever 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 is working towards chasing their dreams i think they should stay away for people like these ones brother i hear you my initial response to this was just so 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 long i just had to cut it out and think of a different way to approach this because steve you have touched on a topic that is a real issue in many pursuers lives i have said numerous times before on the blog and podcast that you must associate with like-minded people people who are trying to pursue similar goals why well there are seven reasons Number 1, they understand your struggle better than anyone. Number 2, they will support you in whatever way they can, including help you with marketing, help you solve a problem, sell on your behalf, provide useful contacts and resources, support you financially, or point you in the direction where you can get that kind of support. Number 3, they will celebrate with you on your victories that may seem insignificant to the rest of the world but mean so much to you. Number 4, When they grow, they will pull you up as well. Number 5, they will protect you from some of the outside world issues that would have overwhelmed you if you dealt with them by yourself. Number 6, they will motivate you, challenge you, and make sure to kick your ass if you start slowing down or talking about giving up. Number 7, they will understand the jokes that can only be understood from the struggles you all share. As you can see, you're more likely to speed up your pursuit when surrounded by those who get you than being by th- yourself or worse, being around people that can't relate to what it is you're doing. The closing remarks of Napoleon Hill's book Think and Grow Rich states, "If we're related, we shall meet." Naturally, those who see things from a similar perspective will always seek out the same types of people. And in the same way, they will distance themselves from those that don't share similar world views. I mean, it's not magic, it's just the way humans behave. It is heartbreaking, however, to know that you can't get support from those that you probably thought would have your back the most. But I guess Steve, that's also a valuable lesson to learn in life, right? If we are a thousand percent sure of what it is we want to do, and we know that what we want to do will leave us more successful than before more fulfilled than before and that it won't violate the rights of other people or hurt anyone why should we be made to feel bad about trying to go after it that doesn't make sense sure it's going to be difficult we need to learn we don't have the answers off the bat that's why we pursue to expose more and more of what we need to learn and overcome And you know what because I'm an adult and because I'm the one with the responsibility to figure out how I will make it in life I choose not to compromise I know what I want and I will go after it if that happens to be sit badly with people around me I guess I need to find new people I mean this is not a game and we've said it before it's never easy All right Steve continues I think the biggest challenge working on your objectives or goals sometimes for me I think it was the mentorship part most of it I I mean an industry of photographing and videography some of these people who already who already have big names who already work there they're not really 
ready to mentor people. They're not really ready to coach people. And when I say about mentorship and, uh, and or coaching, it's not that somebody may enter into an industry and they've not done their homework. They do not know how to use a camera or they do not know how to operate the strobes and everything. No. Sometimes you need mentorship. Sometimes you need somebody just to hold your hand and take you and encourage you in a particular position or in a particular way. So these people, I'm not blaming any of them, but I think an industry like that, it lacked on this personnel. Now, for me, in this particular in this particular industry, I'm working very hard to ensure that if I'm ever faced or I'm ever approached by somebody who wants to get help, who wants to be mentored, who wants to be coached, somebody who just wants to, to hear the word like, hey, keep going, keep doing, this is brilliant work. I want to be available for that person because I missed it, because I did not have somebody to do that. I had to work very hard. I had to teach a lot of things from on my own. And I'm glad I'm getting there. I'm glad I've made it. And the hustle, of course, continues. Steve, I commend you for that. If you can't get the mentor you need, you become one. You and I are very much aligned on this. Look, the pursuit of a goal is already tough enough. Why make it even harder for others just trying to make the industry as a whole a more richer place to be in? That's why I think you might even have an opportunity in your hands here, by the way. Like a website that is a resource for things that you're learning and doing. That's maybe something you want to think about and look into. Because your attitude is perfect for that. If you want to give back, one of the best ways to do it is to create a resource that people can access even when you're asleep. Can you imagine the number of people that want to learn what you know? And the beauty about your industry is that it's a global one. Anyway, um, it's true, getting mentors is a problem for most industries. But the second best thing to a real-life mentor is their book. Experts in your field have published a ton of books on finding success in the industry. That's always a good place to start. Second, you should join communities of like-minded people. There are multiple platforms and forums out there where you can get help. People who are glad to help. People whose job it is to help. So yeah, that's that's great, Steve. Thanks a lot. Okay, so up next is Godlove. And he wrote to me in Kiswahili. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read it out. Uh, so bear with me. But he had five uh, points, which I thought were really great points. Um, I'll translate later. All right, so number one. Bathi yetu tuna desperate zaidi ya mafanikio ya kipesa. Hatutumi kama project ni fursa ya kujijenga zaidi ili kutoka na thamani inayojiuza. Kisha baada ya hapo ndipo ujiuze kwa taasisi nyingine. Okay, number 2. Kutokujiongeza kwa kigezo cha kudai sina ujuzi. Okay. Sio rahisi fursa kuja direct kwa njia kama la course uliosoma chuoni. Sio rahisi fursa kuja direct kwa pia hatupo tayari kujifunza jambo jipya. Number 3. Ubunifu ni challenge kwa wengi wetu. Hatuna ubunifu na uvumbuzi wa kutatua matatizo kuwa in brackets problem solver ndio njia inayoweza kutufanya kufikia malengo kwa wakati. Number 4. 
Hatuna right teams au platform ambayo inaweza kusupport idea kufikia malengo. Inatokea pale tunapofeli tunakata tamaa na kuamini idea haikuwa sahihi. Number 5. Hofu tunaogopa sana initiation stage. Ku take risk pia waoga wa kufanya mistake katika kazi au idea tulizonazo. Alright. Thanks God love. Um, so basically God love has talked about five challenges. Number one, a number of us pursuing goals are more focused on becoming financially successful and don't use the goal or project we are pursuing as a way to first get better at what it is that we're doing. Getting better means becoming more valuable through experience and gaining knowledge which would help us attain even greater success later down the, the road because we are better equipped than before bringing better value than before. Essentially, we don't prioritize growth, instead we just focus on the money. Well, you're very right, uh, good love. It's something a lot of people do when they decide to pursue their goals. They follow the money. But here is what is funny about this. If they were truly focused on getting financial success in the most efficient way possible, they would not prioritize the money. Um, instead, they would focus on the most important aspect of doing business, which is being the best at what it is that you do. Because when you are the best, there is no struggle. And uh, when I'm talking about being the best at what you do in business, is your business has a goal, right? Has a mission, has a vision. So if you're good at executing on that, well, the money comes uh, naturally. You know, word of mouth becomes your marketing, not just for the clients, but for the people who want to work with you and for you. Trying to get a quick win on a transaction, then another, then another. One should be careful that word of mouth doesn't work against you. Because if you prioritize money and it is visible and it is obvious, then that can work against you as well, you know. So business is truly a game of time. That's what folks don't understand. And the most important thing you can do in business that is time-dependent is build trust. Trust with suppliers, trust with institutions that can finance you, trust with co-workers, and most importantly, trust with your customers. People are more human in this game of business than we like to admit. We deal with people who we feel care for us more than just our money. So focusing on the money is not always going to work best. I really doubt is a good long-term strategy. Second challenge that Good Love stated, not taking initiative because you tell yourself that you don't know a particular skill or that you didn't learn a particular skill in college. Many are just not ready to teach themselves new things. It's true and it's something I've talked about here countless times. When you insist on living with this narrative that you are not able to become different or become more than you already are, you limit what you can actually attain in life. It's funny because those that don't have a single hour of experience in a field or on a skill already think they can never be good at that particular thing. It's like saying just because I've never cooked before or that I was never taught how to cook back in college, then I can never become a person that can cook. And you should never think that our brains are like limited storage hard drives. That's not how we save information or experience. But a better way to look at it is that it is elastic. And the more you train your brain to be elastic, the easier it gets over time to learn newer things. 
But if you stop training your brain to be elastic, you know, through learning, it will do exactly that. It will stop trying to grow or stop trying to stretch. Just one piece of advice about learning new things. Take your time. There is no exam waiting for you at the end of the term or end of the semester. Learning under pressure, in my opinion, is not the best way to learn. The things I have taken my time to learn have made me appreciate them a lot more than those that I've had to learn under pressure, like back in school or when I was trying to solve some crisis at the workplace. Godlove's third point is this. Creativity is a huge challenge for many of us. We don't have the creativity and are not innovative enough to solve problems in efficient and effective ways, which would help us realize our goals faster. So to me, creativity is, you know, uh, often a byproduct of knowledge and experience and added to that an element of curiosity on your part. You know, with knowledge on a subject, the deeper you know, the more avenues of experimentation you have compared to those with limited understanding of a subject or skill. With experience, the more you are experienced, the more you know what works and what doesn't, making you bypass a lot of, you know, reinventing of the wheel and beginner mistakes. And so when you add to that curiosity, then that's more or less the initiative to do things, to do more things. But here's the thing, how do you get knowledge and experience? Well, this is a matter of exposure or exposing yourself to the opportunities that allow you to learn more and do more. Read more than the average person, experiment more than the average person. Eventually, you will realize that one of the most obvious facts about those who are creative is that they simply know what the others who are struggling don't. And that is often because of exposure or knowledge plus experience and not really intelligence. Uh, good Godlove's fourth point. We don't have the right teams or platforms that can help support our ideas enough or at least to a point where they can take off. We get to a point where when we fail to make our ideas take off, we give up and say that the cause of failure is that we didn't pick the right idea to begin with. I would be careful about saying that. It may seem like there aren't institutions or people really to help us move from point A to point B, but that's not true. And I'm talking about, you know, in our pursuits. People are out there ready to invest in you or help you or coach you or offer you various kinds of assistance. The problem is that we think that off the bat, we are ready or prepared to be helped. More often than not, we're never ready. I mean, we're just at the beginning. I've been in the software solution business for quite a while now, both as an employee and now as a business owner. I know the ins and outs of the technical side, financial side, the customer satisfaction side, ETC, right, in the, in the field. I get from time to time a pitch about me having to invest into some software idea. A lot of times those folks haven't fully thought about the viability of the business they are pitching, usually looking at the profits that will be earned and hardly having an answer for how much it will cost to run the newly formed business every month. Now, I could take the time, uh, you know, to take care of some of that stuff on their behalf, right? Especially if it's something that I know or have done before. And also, I would have to evaluate the way they're planning, you know, to structure the whole thing, who they think they will be in the business. If at the beginning stage, right, of the pitch, it doesn't seem quite clear that they're going to go down a path 
that will lead to success again if it's a road that I've been down on before. I mean, if I'm going to be the technical person, but also have to come up with like the sales and marketing plan, again, because I know what those actually look like in this field based on some particular pitches, then why wouldn't I just want to work with someone else that's a bit more prepared? Now, what I'm saying might sound harsh, but it isn't. Only beginners and the inexperienced may think so. You know, uh, we, we normally go into this field you know, wanting our faith in our ideas to lead the way. And that is fine in terms of motivating you. But put, putting that faith, right, that belief in yourself behind something as important as experience or as preparedness, right? You did your due diligence, you did your homework. That's even better than just blindly going into something. I mean, who in their rightful mind after 10 plus years of hustling to grow their business or earn their money would want to start from absolute scratch, right, on a new venture with someone proposing what a business should be like or run like, yet it is visibly uh, obvious that this person isn't fully prepared. Because the harshness and the cold uh, reception you will get from the rest of the world once you get into it, it will break you. So it's better to identify, you know, things that may not work or may cause a really huge hiccup before. I think that um, uh, people should really understand that it is up to us as individuals first to try as much as possible to mint out, I don't think mint is the right word, but to extract as much knowledge and information that we can uh, grab immediately, right? The internet, uh, you know, talking to a few people before we think of just, you know, going and making pitches or approaching people for financing or approaching people for technical assistance because that will save you a lot more and when you're on the side where you know more, right, technically, uh, business-wise, market-wise, when you know more than the person you're about to approach, you are always at a better position of negotiating. You have more leverage because you know more. You've backed up your ideas with statistics, with research, with actual experience, right? Anyway, this is not to discourage you, good love, but no one owes you anything. It is up to you in this cold and harsh world to turn yourself into the type of person that is valuable to others as far as business is concerned. And if you're really good at that and put in the extraordinary effort, you know, uh, people come to you instead of you having to go to them. Brian Tracy once said, to earn more, you must be worth more or you must become more. Anyways, lastly, God Love says, we are afraid to get started, afraid to take risks, afraid to make mistakes in the work that we do and ideas we have. This is correct. You know, fear is paralyzing. It is one of the worst things that holds us back. It's one thing knowing that you are incompetent or that you can't do something, that you have no skill to do something. But knowing how to do something but being afraid to do it or feeling like you are capable of learning but you just can't get started you know 
As I look back, I feel that's a very depressing thing and that we have in the world today. The fear to start, the fear to do, to be, to become. And the thing about fear is that it is irrational because it often makes you not do anything by telling you a negative story of something that has never happened before. I mean, you will fail, but there's no proof of that. There's no proof that if you put in your effort, if you make your choices, that you will end up in failure. And the thing about failure is that it's never fatal unless we make it fatal, unless we uh, get to failure and decide this is the end. You know, people use someone else's experience and someone else's give up point to convince themselves that there is no need to put in the effort because I'm destined to get to that same outcome. What a depressing way to live. To talk to yourself, uh, to talk yourself out of becoming better because you fear that you might not make it. Look, for the kinds of goals that most of us wish to attain, failure is never fatal because I believe that a lot of us have quite modest goals. You know, you know, the general public isn't, you know, trying to build the next rocket ship. We're not trying to cure, you know, uh, a really annoying disease. A lot of us just simply want to take our lives to the next level in terms of improving our income, you know, being fulfilled, uh, finding fulfillment in the work that we do on a daily basis. We're not trying to do heart surgery or build rockets. If we fail, we don't automatically give up. That is something we choose to do. Look, it's not that when we fail, if we do get to a point where something did not work out the way we intended it, it's not that when we get to that failure that we automatically give up. No. What tends to happen is that we fail and the way we tend to process that failure is by giving up. We choose to give up after X number of failures. Could be one, could be 10, could be 20. So what's your limit? If you're pursuing goals the right way, we are learning from these failures as well and not just celebrating every time something goes right. In a way, failure is part of the growth process. Not in a way. It is part of the growth process. Be like scientists when you're pursuing goals. When an experiment is going well, note down what you did to get to that outcome. When an experiment is not going as expected, note down what you did to get that outcome. Both of these sets of information are equally valuable, but in many cases, knowing what not to do is far more important than knowing what to do. And only failure can teach you that. So, thanks a lot, good love. All right, up next is Abdul. Take it away, Abdul. Yo, 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 Kidando, what's cracking? All right, let's get straight into it. So, I've broken down a list of three of the most important things that you need in order to achieve your goals. They're not in any specific order, but they're all very important. And I believe that if you're missing any single one of them, you are going to fail at your goals. The first one is prioritize. There are three main categories all goals usually fall into. Health, wealth, or relationships. At any one time, it's best that you do not have more than three goals. One in each of these categories. The more goals you have, 
the higher chance you're going to fail at them. Three goals is already a lot. So have out of, out of health, wealth, and relationships. Have in one of these categories one goal that you're going to focus on the most. That's going to be your priority. And the other two are just subsidiary goals. You know, there's a Chinese proverb that goes something like this. Uh, Man who chases two rabbits catches neither. And that basically means if you're going to be focusing on multiple things at the same time, if you're going to be trying to pursue multiple goals at the same time, you're just increasing your chances of not attaining any one of them. Because if you understand the pursuit of goals, then you do realize and appreciate the fact that pursuing just even one goal is really, really hard. It's really difficult. And it requires almost your full attention to really, you know, make the right moves, to really make the right choices and decisions, especially uh, on a timely manner. That said, it's not impossible to pursue multiple goals. The thing to keep in mind is how related these goals are to each other. Like, uh, for example, I, uh, I have one main goal in life and everything else that I do in life is either a sub-goal or a milestone aligned to that main goal. And what Abdul talked about having goals in different areas is something that I read about. Uh, it's called life planning, where you look at you know, key areas of your life, where, where they stand, uh, but more, more importantly, what is your vision for, you know, succeeding in that area of your life? What is your vision for succeeding in your personal finance? What is your vision for succeeding in your health? What is your uh, vision for succeeding in your relationships? These are things that are important and are related to each other because they all represent your overall desire, you know, to succeed or to be at a better place. So it makes sense to make a goal in the health side, right? At the same time, make a goal on the relationship side and at the same time, make a goal on your personal finances side. And maybe you can even add onto that your career, right? Or your hobbies. But as long as they're related in a logical way, then it makes sense. But what you do not want to do is take, let's say, your personal finances and then create goals that go in different directions. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that's, uh, that's very, very important. If you really want to make sure that you get to a place where you are making steady progress to a better version of yourself, you must make sure that you have one overall goal and then break down that overall goal uh, by taking a look at the different areas of your life and then setting goals for those areas. And then you can you know, proceed to pursue multiple goals that are all related at the same time. All right, so Abdul continues. The next point is sacrifice. How bad do you want your goals? Most people have a lot of goals. A lot of people, even in the New Year's, set a lot of goals that they said they're going to achieve. But I guarantee it's not even the end of January. A lot of them have already failed at those goals because they're not willing to put in the work. They're not willing to sacrifice to get those goals. They're not willing to give up their shitty behaviors in order to implement the correct behaviors that will lead them to achieve those goals. So if you have a goal in mind, sit down. 
and figure out all the things that you need to sacrifice that do not lead you toward your goals. That's going to that's gonna mean sacrificing time with your friends, your lovers, sacrificing time doing things that you like, watching TV, being on social media. You don't even see me on social media anymore because I'm sacrificing my social media time so I have more time to focus on my goals. I agree 100%. There are some people that are just not willing to pay the price to get what they claim they want. And fun fact, whatever you have to pay, it must be in advance. You can't get something from nothing, to quote Napoleon Hill. Um, there's a question I often get from folks that I think illustrates a major problem with how we think about sacrifice and pursuing goals in general. And the question is this, where do you find the time to work on that skill? Because the people asking often believe that they are already living lives that don't give them time to breathe, right? They probably have a couple of weeks um, or days, sorry, over the weekend, and that's just about it. And usually a couple of days over the weekend, a couple of hours over the weekend, yeah. And usually that's the time they, you know, reserve for relaxing, unwinding and re-energizing from the chaos of the week. Frankly, the older I get, the harder it is for me to understand what that even means, by the way. I mean, we all have the same 24-hour time budget per day. It is quite clear that the time a person spends on honing their craft is used within that very time budget that everyone else also has access to. Meaning, while one person is choosing to spend their time on an activity unrelated to working on personal goals, another is spending their time on activities related to working on their goals. And it all boils down to priorities, really. Some people find that to be kind of inconsiderate, right? (laughs) That it's only easy for people like me to say that because we don't have responsibilities or this and that. To which I feel like they greatly missed the point. Sacrifice. Why would you think that it is easy for a person to quit a job and pursue business full time? Why would you think that it is easy to stop hanging around people you personally feel are only holding you back from working on your goals, including your spouse, including friends, including family? Why would you think that it is easy choosing to live a life where you're financially worse off than you were when you're employed, just so that you can pave the way for an even greater financial future? Why would you think any of that is easy, right, for the people pursuing their goals? It is not. But what it is it is intentional and it is aimed at feeding into our drive to attain our goals. And you don't have to take my word for it. I'm just a random podcaster that probably has no influence on your idea of goals. But all who have achieved greatness that took time will always agree that it was a conscious choice to make significant sacrifices to get to where they have arrived. All right, Abdul continues. The next point is focus. This is a very, very important point. And if you lack focus, you're not going to achieve anything you set your mind to. How many times have you said you're going to sit down for two hours and get some work done? But in those two hours, you checked your Facebook. You messaged people. You went around playing with your phone to see which songs you're going to listen to next. You went to the bathroom. You went to eat. Within those two hours, you probably got five, ten minutes of work done. Focus is very important, and if you cannot sit down for one to two hours at minimum with 100% undivided focus on a singular task, 
you are not going to achieve anything. A lot of people are going to find it very, very hard to sit down for an hour to two hours. Just do one single thing without getting distracted. I had the same problems as well. But I, had, I found a solution for that. It's a dopamine detox. Check on YouTube Alex Becker dopamine detox. Just watch all of Alex Becker's videos because that guy is amazing and he will change your life. But once you get on the dopamine detox, you remove all the dopamine that your brain gets from useless things like social media or big booty chicks on Instagram. You'll actually be able to focus on your tasks and working on those tasks are actually going to give you the dopamine that social media and everything else, video games, gives you. Again, 100% in agreement. I really don't have much to add to that. You know, self-discipline is at the core of productivity and taking the necessary actions that lead to progress. It is important. It is more important than even motivation. And I wrote about it in a blog article years ago, which I'll provide a link to in the show notes. But the gist is that if you want to get results in your pursuit, you're going to have to be more professional. You can't be governed by emotions. Instead, you need to be governed by a set of rules and processes that you need to commit to following. You need to have a constitution, just like I mentioned earlier. You simply can't wake up and ask yourself if you feel in the mood to work on your goals. Because professionals don't do that. They don't get to work on emotion. They get to work based on an established constitution. And here's the thing about self-discipline that you need to understand, especially if you apply it on goals that are personally compelling to you. The more you practice self-disciplined behaviors or habits, the more they attach to you, the more they become a part of who you are. To a point that later on in your journey, when you say, you know, you skip a day off work or show up late, or you tend to feel some kind of a pain because that's not what you're used to right? Self-discipline is the kind of thing that seems to fascinate those who are not self-disciplined to the point that sometimes the undisciplined start thinking that people who are disciplined are magical creatures. They're gifted or they're quote-unquote talented. That's not true. Self-discipline brings results. Doing work brings results. Not doing work does not bring results. Thanks a ton, Abdul. All right, now we're going to hear from Good Luck. Take it away, Good Luck. Hey Kidando, Mambo Vipi. Uh, Happy New Year to you, man. And hope you had wonderful holidays. So the one thing, uh, two things actually, that I wanted to talk about in the podcast today in, with regard to goal setting, uh, it's not much of a question, but rather, as you said, a conversation from my end, time and the other thing is a bit of a taboo to most, but it's money. So it's time and money. I do have problems or uh, much rather challenges with these two things. So with time, I just end up having, I just find that I don't have enough time in the day to sort of have everything done that I wanted to have done in that day. The day just runs up very, very fast. I wake up, it's 5 or 6 a.m., uh, prepare, wash up, breakfast and whatnot. Before you know it, it's 9 a.m., so I get started and in a flash, it's 1 p.m. And before I know it, it's like 3 p.m. And lo and behold, it's 6 p.m. The day ends. 
I'm not sure if everyone is seeing this, but time flies so fast in a day. So I don't exactly know if it's maybe my poor planning that is to be accounted to this or maybe uh, just hours in a day are running so fast and days are running so fast. It's hard to get more things that I want to get done in a day within a day. Yeah, so I mean, that's one of the things that I am having a serious challenge with, like time in a day. I I think, I think if I have better planning, maybe I could have that feeling of uh, days aren't running as fast, or maybe I could get more things done within a day, and uh, it could maybe eliminate that feeling that I have of like not having enough time in a day to have the things that I want to do in a day, within a day. I don't know. That's one of the things that I am having a serious challenge with. Happy New Year to you too. Good luck. I can relate to this. Um, Not having enough hours in the day to do what you need to do. Here's what I'll say to that. You have to change one of two things, or both, because I promise you working like this will lead to burnout as the worst case scenario. Best case scenario is that you will just be submerged in work and not get time to do other things. I mean, let me ask you, does taking a break feel like a sacrifice? Like you might regret it later on? Yeah, well, things have to change. First, I would say that you need to redesign your task list or project plan specifically what you want to get accomplished in a day. Because you are tackling tasks that are too huge or you are taking on too many in a day. You need to reduce that number. You shouldn't be making working unbearably painful. It doesn't make you productive in the long run. Your projects don't get better as well. If the workload is huge, spread it out. If the timelines are tight, extend them and just give yourself generous room. I used to think that I should be the fastest solution provider in the East, but that doesn't serve me well when I end up with a really buggy solution and an overexhausted body. This will also affect your mindset, by the way, and even your relationships with other people, because work has a way of affecting everything around us. If you work with people that often demand things like yesterday, the truth is usually that that's usually just a lie. And if it's true that the work was demanded yesterday, then you should avoid it because they are the ones that messed up and want to transfer the cleanup and blame onto you. I promise you, you may take on a few of these projects right now, but once they become the norm, eventually you will consider leaving the industry because it's it's unsustainable and doesn't allow room for growth as well. Also, you may want to look into downloading or creating tools that speed up your workflow you know, like asset managers, quick templates. This is if you want to really get things done uh, more quickly and more efficiently. You definitely need to create systems or tools that help you get particular technical tasks done faster. So for instance, in me encoding, I have a standard business app template that's ready to deploy the moment I have a new customer. It just has like, you know, standard functionality. Like I don't want to always be creating the same, you know, user management login screen because user management and login will always remain the same. So I want to perfect it once and create the shell of the application. Then when a new customer comes in, I just add on features. I change the branding. I change how things look. So it's like standard functionality can just jump straight into developing features without worrying about those other mundane stuff like authentication. 
you probably have stuff like that too. Now, since I'm not like 100% sure about your workflow in your industry, I think this is worth investigating. Secondly, I would challenge you to take a look at rethinking what a productive day looks like. I used to think about it in terms of tasks I had to complete, but these days I just look at active hours I have spent on the work. I have a fixed goal, right, for the number of hours I need to work on my goals. So I aim to do no more and no less than whatever goal I've set. Whether that means I complete five tasks or I don't even finish one, as long as I've clocked in the hours, I'm good. I need this life to be sustainable for me in the long term. So having fluctuating moments of high productivity and low productivity based on the number of tasks I need to complete in a day, to me, it destroys productivity because it's not consistent. I like to measure progress based on something that is a bit more consistent. So like, think about it. Like today you cram five tasks in a day, tomorrow it's nine. What happens on the day you have one? Typically, I might not even do it at all because the pressure is not there, you know? So think about that. Think about the hours you spend as opposed to just the tasks you do. And I talked about this in episode 33 about having an active planner. So you should check it out to get a refresher. All right, good luck continues. And another thing that I have a serious challenge with is like money. And... (laughs) Not the way that uh, you might think of it. I mean, everybody needs money, (laughs) but not that way. So what I mean here is that one of the biggest challenges that I'm facing at the moment is that it's very hard to focus and work on the goals that I've set if money keeps getting in the way. That is, uh, if I would be working on uh, achieving the goals that I want, if a paid project, I mean a client's project comes in the way, I don't know, I just find myself like putting aside the goals that I have, personal goals that I have, and doing the client's work and pay some bills, you know? So I feel bad that I'm not working on my personal stuff that I want to be working on, but I need money. So I tend to put aside every single time that the goals that I'm working, I mean, the personal goals that I I'm working on and tend to work on clients project get paid and then by the time that I'm done get back to the personal goals that I have and I would then get another client's work and I would put that aside and it's happening every single time so it's really really hard to like work on uh, the personal goals that I have which demand a lot of time so Maybe I could set an example to illustrate this more on one of the biggest goals that I did set last year. So last year I wanted to produce a kid's show, like a full 10 episodes of a kid's show that I wanted to do for like five to six years. I wanted to do this thing and last year I said it like screw it, I will be doing it this year. And by the end of the year I'll make sure that I have 10 episodes of the show I'll have, I do have this kids game idea that I also want to have done in accompanying with this show that I want to do. I'll also have a a book, basically uh, a kids book of the stories that I wanted to tell. So I wanted to have all these things done within a year. 
and quickly I found out that I can't have all this done. Okay, maybe I'll have this done after I'm done with this. And then, so I sort of downscaled those goals to something that is more realistic. Not that I haven't done anything. I mean, <laughs> I have maybe like 20-30% done at the moment. But, uh, and I account this to the fact that I keep putting it aside for clients work every single time and the fact that I just run out of time every day like days are just too fast and I don't have everything that I want to get done within a day those are the two biggest challenges that I face at the moment and um, perhaps if you have something you could share or add on to that that would be very much appreciated yeah so thank you very much for this opportunity to share my thoughts on the podcast and uh, i just realized i forgot to introduce myself i'm good luck gabriel an animator uh tech enthusiast a voiceover artist these days as well that's also my badge you could also find me on Instagram and Twitter, Gabriel Goodluck on Instagram and GoodG007 on Twitter. So thank you very much and have a nice day. Man, I hear you. Paying the bills is important, so I understand the dilemma. Let me start by asking this. How long do you want this challenge to last? Because this is the type of thing that has a way of taking much longer than it needs to. If this is temporary because your personal project is your top priority, that the moment you get your top priority to a level where it's possible for you to fully focus in, on it 100%, then you can do what you can right now to pay the bills, you know? I would just say that these things tend to have an attractional force the longer they take. One client becomes two, then two becomes three, then you're overwhelmed with side projects that, again, pay the bills. And if you stop working on your personal projects, then, well, that's a problem, right? I'll challenge you to think about two things. On one side, if you think that you are providing, what you're providing for the clients uh, is definitely beneficial and you are enjoying it, then consider maximizing your effort and focusing on how you can get the most out of that. This, however, means that you have to put your personal project aside for a while. There is nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, going on pause. But at least this way, you don't split yourself into two and go 50-50 on both things. On the other side, if you think that you have a solid plan for a personal goal, or you desire to have one, then take time to put something together. And that something is a business plan. A business plan is the most important part of figuring out a lot of things about a potential business. This includes whether or not it will be viable in the short and long term. It can provide several ways in which you can, you know, make a venture profitable. I always like to say that you can turn almost anything into a profitable business if you're the right person for the job. And the right person for the job tends to start with a business plan. And if you still don't believe in a business plan, watch Shark Tank and see how people sweat and fail to answer questions that could have easily been answered in a well-put-together business plan. With a business, the only thing that comes close to the idea of playing it safe is making sure you know what it is that you're doing, that you got your I's dotted and your T's crossed. The safety or security comes from how well you prepare. Now, I don't know if that addresses your concern, but I hope this helps somehow. 
Hey, so this is Kidano from the future. I decided to go over my response to your question and just add a bit to it. I still stick to the two options that I gave you, which one is, you know, maybe you might want to consider putting more focus and more effort into serving your clients. Again, this can be just a short-term strategy, but because you are, you know, concentrating on it a lot more, you can get a lot more out of it, right? Productivity-wise, you won't be exhausted, and energy-wise, in terms of marketing and sales, you would want to do more of it so that you can, you know, do things faster. Uh, but also, like I said, you might want to look at your alternative, right? Your your dream, your what you're passionate about, your your main personal goal, and then say, I need to sit down and really look at this thing from the ground up. And I gave the example of Shark Tank because, um, and this is what I want to emphasize, when you watch a show like that, um, a lot of people uh, think that it's it's dramatic, right? It, just like when you're watching uh, American Idol, that the judges like uh, Simon Cowell is being uh, dramatic, right, for views. But the reality of life is if you're from the, from the street level, right, like the entry level uh, in music, and you have the chance to meet with a person that is, you know, high class, like not high class, but uh, well seasoned, uh, I think is a better word, then this just goes back into what I talked to good love about, God love about, which is um, understanding that you need to go all in. You need to be so thoroughly, you know, researched, heavily prepared for how things could turn out. And a business plan is usually the best way to do this. You look at what it is that you want to create, and then you look at the financial side, you look at the marketing side, you look at the sales side, and then you say, this is what the business would look like when it's running. This is how much I'm going to be spending per month when it's running. This is how much I'm going to be earning per month when it's running. Uh, these are the customers I'm going to target. And this is how I'm going to you know, get the word out through marketing. So that's what a business plan has. Uh, and, I, and, and I keep saying that I'll probably have to make a podcast about this. But this is what will give you the confidence to say, I can, you know, I can stop balance, uh, doing this balancing act and uh, go with this. What I wanted to add in this is a third option. And unfortunately, it just brings you back to where you are right now, which is a balancing act of both. Now, I don't really see there's anything bad if you are currently able to sustain it. It may not be comfortable, but life is really about comfort, especially when it's about making significant change towards our goals. Is it sustainable? Can you keep your dream alive while serving you know, clients in, in another capacity that's unrelated to your goals? If the answer is yes, then just make sure that it's not going to be like this forever that you have a plan, that you can balance it right now, but you have a plan, that it's that at the end of the day, that you really, really, really don't want to uh, end up, you know, just doing uh, client work, but you want to great, create your own products, just make sure that uh, that doesn't become permanent. Because for a lot of people uh, who eventually become demotivated, and usually it's demotivation, it's not even burnout, it's just demotivation, um, who get demotivated, they either get stuck there or they uh, opt to follow 
the dream, uh, I mean, uh, to, to go to the other side where they're not pursuing what it is that they want. Hope that helps. All right, and the final contributor for this episode is Charles. Take it away, Charles. Hello, Oscar. My name is Charles Lupali, and I'm an artist and animator. I've been a long-time listener of your podcast and would like to share three major challenges I've faced as a creative. My first major challenge is payment delays. Some companies I've worked with tend to pay weeks or months after the project has been completed. Now, this is a very frustrating experience because they normally say they delay the payments due to their financial management systems and it's also sometimes part of their company policy to pay a month or so after the work has been done for reasons that they sometimes never disclose. So in order to get past this challenge, I've normally set uh, like three type of ways to go about it, which is one is to either not work with these guys at all or two is to make sure that we have a down payment agreement of some sort so that even if there's going to be a delay, at least they pay some of the money. Or the third option is always to work on other smaller projects during the period that I'm waiting for the payments to be done. Man, I hear you. This can be one of the most frustrating parts of running your own business. Cash flow. Specifically, consistent cash flow. It sucks when the people you sometimes work with don't think it's necessary to prioritize your payments. I mean, you prioritize their work, you'd at least expect them to do the same in return, right? (laughs) I mean, it's a shame really, because at the end of the day, it makes you want to avoid them next time. And I know in business sometimes things don't always go the way you planned, and you just can't pay your suppliers on time. But I think as a person looking to retain services from those you work with or hire, Come up with a compensation plan in advance in case there will be delays that the consultant or supplier will agree to before starting the work. This way, you can at least reduce the chances of having a fall off or falling off with your supplier over money. The same way businesses we serve want us to consider their problems, they should consider ours as well, right? I think how you approach it kind of makes sense to me, so, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I would just add that you may need to look at expanding and diversifying your income streams, especially income streams that are quote-unquote passive or that don't require you to trade your time for money. So this is along the lines of making things like digital products, courses, PDF books, tools, templates, assets that can be used in projects, etc. And that's just stuff in your industry. You could also explore things outside your industry like investment, stock trading and the like. I mean, there's a ton of resources on how you could go about doing that online. So I won't go into that here. Charles continues. The second challenge I've faced is more of a growing pain and not not pretty much a challenge, but I'd like to classify it as a challenge. And this is mostly marketing and branding, especially on social media. Being an introvert, I really don't like being out there, uh, especially on social media, engaging and, you know, having that kind of social media experience. And this is kind of an issue, especially if I want to grow 
my brand to say to reach more customers and clients out there so i've kind of had to deal with the issue of learning how to use social media to my advantage having to learn how to engage with people and get out of that introverted shell which yeah isn't very easy for an introvert but uh, at the end of the day you kind of have to do what you have to do to survive yeah marketing wahoo <laughs> This is not a problem with introverts, but it is something that extroverts find difficult as well. But here's the thing. Marketing shouldn't have anything to do with your personality type. Instead, successful marketing efforts should be a result of a successfully executed marketing plan. The thing is, what we try to do is just wing it, right? Especially in the world of social media. And especially because that's how the world of social media presents itself. Don't wake up and debate whether you'll post on Instagram or post on Twitter today, or if you will engage or not engage with people online. Your marketing efforts should not be influenced by feeling. Imagine having a reasonable sized company with a decent marketing department. You wouldn't want that department doing their marketing based on how they felt on a particular day, right? No. Everything needs to come from a plan. I would suggest that you read into marketing strategies by people in your industry. And take your time on this. You want to collect different data from different points of view. Then pick out what works best for you and create a marketing plan around that. So, what is a marketing plan? More often than not, it is just something when you execute leads to something else, like more followers or more sales or more inquiries. So essentially, you set a marketing goal and create a plan to attain it. Almost always, you're going to have to publish content or engage in the conversation. Not people, not necessarily people, but the conversation online that is aligned around your marketing efforts. And for that, you're most likely going to need a content schedule, which is very similar to an activity schedule or activity planner, which I talked about back in episode 33. You should check it out, by the way. <laughs> This is just a spreadsheet that says what you will do in terms of posting or publishing every week and at what time. It can be as intense or as light as you need it to be, but its aim is to keep you consistent in your efforts because one aspect of successful marketing is that you be as consistent as possible. I've not made one in a very long time and you have just reminded me to you know, think about doing so. But of course, there's more to it than just that. I once took a course on this some years back, um, something on content marketing. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are a ton of resources online. All right, the last challenge from Charles. The third and last challenge I've been facing is value pricing. I struggled a lot at the beginning of my creative career because I didn't know how to price and value the type of work I offered. I only focused on making sure I got the client regardless of what they were willing to pay. All I wanted was to get paid in the first place. So it was just that thing of making sure I can make money with the type of skill that I have regardless of figuring out the finances, like if the money that I'm charging for my skill will be sufficient enough to keep me going. That wasn't in my mindset until recent when I had issues that I struggled with a lot of issues and then I had to 
go back into the drawing board and figure out how to better manage my finances. The good thing is with time, experience, a lot of help from veteran creatives, YouTube tutorials and books, I was able to understand how to price the value of my services and know what compromises I'd be willing to make. So yeah, despite facing all these challenges, figuring out how to overcome them has been an ongoing process. At times I've had to change ways in how I face these challenges to keep up with the everyday demands from life. One thing I've learned from the challenges I've faced is they have been essential in helping me learn skills that I initially didn't think would be necessary or important throughout my whole creative journey, especially the ones that kind of challenge me to not be so much of an introvert like the marketing and branding aspect of things and yeah it's it's an ongoing learning process to be sure one that i'm thankful for because it makes obtaining of my goals a bit more realistic considering that these challenges are to some extent necessary for me to understand myself better to develop myself more and to acquire the type of experiences I need to further obtain and maintain the goals that I set in life. Thanks for letting me share my two cents on the challenges creative uh, challenges creatives face. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Yep, yep, yep. Well. You know, pricing is something that a lot of folks struggle with. But this is something where I'd suggest that you need to take a step back and begin at the beginning. So something even above pricing. You know, the typical path of the person wanting to get into business for themselves with a skill or a set of skills that they can employ is this. Take an idea and get to work. Produce something for the market or work with clients and face whatever obstacles you're going to face along the way. I've done this before, a few times, but I tell you now with a passion, I hate this approach. But I only hate it after I discovered something that is meant to come before you even go to the market, before you even run to clients with your idea. It's called a business plan. What is a business plan? Number one, it tells you what you're going to provide as a product or service. Number two, it tells you the reasons why people will want what you're offering. Number three, it tells you how and why you will price your goods slash services at the price you're pricing them. Number four, it tells you the different ways you will make money to sustain your business and cover your expenses. Number five, it tells you after how long you will break even if you decided to get capital or finance your efforts. Number six, it tells you how you'll overcome common and perceived challenges you'll face. Number seven, it tells you how you will do your marketing and get people to pay attention to you and what you offer. There's a lot more to it than this, but in summary, a business plan is your business on paper. And if it's put together properly, then it is a paper that you can use to recruit staff, to recruit investors, and to validate your idea. 
It is the blueprint for your business that can forecast sales, create strategies for winning, and overcome a lot of the pitfalls that claim so many other businesses. A lot of the problems we face in business, we don't have to face them. It's not like a rite of passage that we should go through all the known hardships in business. No, many can be avoided when you are prepared with the right tools. A business plan is such a tool. One thing a business plan can do is change your goals. You might have wanted to enter the market providing a particular kind of product or service, but when putting the numbers together in the business plan, things don't add up. So you would cut out something that doesn't work and substitute other things for things that will be more commercially viable. All of a sudden, you have a different goal to shoot for, one that won't end up in you getting cornered by some various circumstances that you know people face. A lot of folks may not want to hear this, but they have this mistaken belief that by merely working hard on what they're doing, or just by doing more of what they're doing, then they will eventually succeed. That's not really true. I mean, you can end up successful, but that's just rolling the dice. If the numbers in your business don't make sense, you will still end up hurting no matter how hard you work. This is why if you're a talented person considering joining the world of business, learn business. In fact, master it. Being good at something doesn't entitle you to any success in the world of business if you don't know business. Believe me, I've been there. Just because you're good doesn't mean you're valuable. It just means that you have potential value. But if not directed properly, it won't serve you. I know you talked about you know, the challenges of pricing, but this usually stems from a bigger issue, understanding business itself. Mastering business should be the goal of any entrepreneur, regardless of industry or skill. All right, I hope that helped. Uh, thanks, Charles. Okay, so that's it. We're finally at the end of the podcast. Thank you once again for, to all those that were able to send in their contributions. I hope you found these conversations productive. I know I did, and if you did, I hope you realize the value in talking about this a lot more. Pursuing goals is something many of us are very serious about, but it's hard. It's not easy. So let's make sure that we keep the discussion going on the things we are trying to do to change our lives for the better. And that's where I'll end today. I just started the conversation and I would definitely appreciate your feedback. If you would like to leave a comment for this podcast episode, head over to the show notes for this episode over at kidando.net. A link will be in the description of this podcast episode. You can also reach out to me on social media. I'm mostly active on Twitter and on Instagram. My handle is at kidando. That's K-I-D-A-N-D-O because Scorpion is better than Sub-Zero. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Be sure to also like, share, and subscribe to this podcast if you found it helpful. It only takes a minute, but it really helps out a lot. I have a coffee page, and if you would like to buy me a cup of coffee, that will be swell. Naturally, it's what we would do anyways if we had this discussion at a cafe, and it really does help the podcast. Link will be in the description. Thank you for spending this time with me. I truly appreciate it. Until next time, remember to always make progress and not excuses. Later. Later.